Real Men Feel with Andy Grant encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been told, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. If you would like a one-on-one conversation to help you get clear on what you want in life and what's in your way of getting there, visit theandygrant.com slash talk and book a no-obligation, no-cost appointment. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. I'm an author, coach, healer. I'm a lifelong seeker and student, and I've had plenty of teachers and mentors over the years, uh, one of whom is kind of the roundabout subject of, of this episode. My guest today is investigative reporter, author, and podcast host, Pat Blah. My guest today is investigative reporter, author, and podcast host, Matt Stroud. Matt recently hosted a podcast about one of my not-so-favorite mentors called Guru, the Dark Side of Enlightenment. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Cool. Um, Now, you've done some really deep work. Some of your reporting has resulted in new trials for people, uh, resignations of public figures. Uh, You make a lot of trouble for scam artists artists and, and kind of like bad business people, and so is this guru thing, is this along the same lines or is this a departure from your previous work? Hmm. I don't think it's a departure so much. I think it's worth talking about how I got onto the story um, because it is connected to, uh, you know, wrongful convictions and people getting out of, out of prison. So I'll, I'll kind of start there if that's all right. Cool. Yeah, great. Yeah. So um, I used to work for an innocence project. Uh, are you familiar with what innocence projects are? Yeah. Uh, overturning wrongful convictions. Yeah, exactly. Um, most of those are based out of law schools. Uh, I went to, uh, I was in uh, a graduate assistant at an innocence project at a university in Pittsburgh that was actually based in a journalism school. Um, so it was kind of a rare experience. They do the same thing as an innocence project would do at a law school, um, but we're doing it as journalists. Um, and so, you know, I worked on a lot of wrongful conviction cases and covered prisons around that time um, just because it was inherent to the work that I was doing. And one of the uh, topics that I really got interested in at the time and one of the uh, groups of subjects that I got interested in at the time was people who uh, are wrongfully convicted and then are released back into their communities. And there's a whole uh, a bunch of things to, uh, to dig into on this particularly, but you have people who are wrongfully convicted and they're sent back to their homes with nothing and they have to refigure out like how to live in society. Um, and I had been working for, after I left that project, I went to go work for a technology website of all, of all things called theverge.com. Um, they wanted me to report on policing and prisons and technology that was, that was uh, inter, intermingled in there. Um, and so I had been covering uh, Herbalife and working on investigations into that company. And uh, the name James Arthur Ray came up because he had given a bunch of Herbalife seminar uh, uh, presentations and uh, was in prison and he was it was like 2013 and he was getting ready to reemerge into society and so my initial interest in James Arthur Ray was you know what's it gonna be like for this man who built his life in a self-help community and as a leader in the self-help community when he reemerges into that community after prison and so that was that was really the reason why I got interested in it and then you know, the more I dug into James and his response to the tragedy at Sedona, it seemed like a story that uh, I wanted to dig into deeper. And, you know, the people who were connected to him, I really wanted to learn more about them. So here we are. Cool. So so you had not heard of his name or even maybe the personal growth kind of industry in, until stumbling into this? I had friends and relatives who talked about the secret. Um, and I had done a long uh, trip across the country where I couch surfed with, you know, 70 or 80 people. And a bunch of those people had mentioned the, uh, the movie, what the, what the bleep do we know? Um, which, uh, you know, you might, uh, disagree with this, but it seems along the same lines as the secret, uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, what they talk about. Um, and so I was aware of those two films, uh, but no, I, I hadn't really heard anything about James, and this was, yeah, 2012, 2013, um, when I really started looking into him. Mm, cool. Yeah. Um, 
the secret was my introduction to everything. And that's the first time I had heard of, of James. And then, yeah, next was what the bleep do you know? And you kind of, at least I went down that rabbit hole of all the rabbit hole movies and such like that. Um, so the, the events that the podcast guru is about, you know, happened in 2009. So it was really just of, of when you kind of discovered James as it wasn't like, ah, this is the year I must investigate this story that I, that I recall living through or anything like that. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, the, the kind of work that I do, uh, and this has evolved over time, but, you know, I've, I've been like a daily beat reporter. I've covered cops. I've covered, you know, courts and court systems. Uh, and those, when you have that, when you're doing that kind of work, you're writing, you know, four and five stories a day. Uh, and everything is, you're, you're jumping from one topic to another and indivi- one individual to another and one series of stories. Um, and as I grew as a journalist uh, and, you know, made connections with really great media outlets, I start to... I start to I started to be able to choose like pick and choose stories that I really wanted to dig into and then spend a lot of time on those stories. And the more I learned about James again, late, like I came to this party very late, um, the more I wanted to know about him and the self-help industry and the people who were drawn to it. Hmm. So you're already in college discovering this project. So when did you first discover that you had interest in being a reporter at all? Oh man. Uh, it was, uh, I'd never have seriously considered doing anything else. Um, it is, I I like talking to people. I like telling stories. Uh, and there is a part of me that is, uh, adversarial and journalism always has been the way to get into that adversarial part of my nature without, you know, being a terrible person. Um, (laughs) and you know, at least the way I look at it, the 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 adversarial reporting that I do is adversarial towards people who have done wrong, um, and uh, systems that don't function properly, uh, and people who are you know dishonest and unethical. And so uh, that idea from the time I was you know probably fourteen or fifteen years old uh, seemed really appealing. Uh, and I grew up in a household with, you know, multiple newspaper and magazine subscriptions. And so it, it actually seemed like a realistic idea that I could be one of the people who uh, contributed to those important uh, news outlets. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of been there forever. So is that kind of what differentiates investigative reporting, this, this adversarial, I've, I've got to dig up the truth kind of notion? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think anybody who gets into reporting wants to find things that no one else knows and, and report those things into the public. Um, and so I would be hard pressed to describe any reporter as not being adversarial. You kind of have to be for the, for the job, but um, you know, when you get into the profession, you have to, you have to decide what's important to you and where your skills lie. And, uh, you know, some, some people are more adversarial than others. And there are reporters who are way more adversarial than I am, too. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I think it's part of, I think it's part of the, the role. Oh, cool. Your, your initial interest in, in a story about James was how he's going to, now that he's coming out of prison, and what, what's that life going to be like? I was thinking it was going to be kind of a fluff piece initially mm-hmm. when I looked into it. Um, you know, let's talk to this guy. Let's get him on the record. And let's track him over time. Like, what's it going to be like? Um, and I started contacting him, you know, months before he was set to be released, uh, or trying to contact him months before he was set to be released, and getting in contact with his brother and uh, and his agent, um, just again, so I could basically write a fluff piece about what it was like to to reemerge into society. And you know, as I did more and more reporting, I realized that there was a lot more there than just a fluff piece about a guy reemerging into uh, the self-help community. What did you come across first that made you think, oh, there, there, there's something else here? I had a conversation with Ginny Brown. Hmm. And uh, I became familiar with, well, I met, I met her. I went up to Middletown. I, I uh, talked with her and her husband. Uh, I, and I started to look more closely at the project that they were starting seek safely. Um, and I started to dig around, you know, their concerns and what they were trying to do, uh, not only with the self-help industry, but with James particularly. 
Um, and I realized that there was a whole ocean of, of material to really dig into. And I don't want to assume everyone knows what we're talking about here. So let, let, let's back up a little bit. And so James Arthur Ray was in prison for, but then it did end up being manslaughter. Was the no, charge? Uh, negligent homicide. Negligent so, homicide. Okay. Yeah, the, the charge is equivalent to what somebody might be charged with if they uh, have a DUI and they inadvertently, you know, run somebody over or, or kill someone in a crash. So it's okay. it's the same kind of kind of charge and conviction. Okay. And this happened in Sedona, Arizona, uh, October two thousand nine, mm. and and um, so Ginny Brown is the mom of of someone that died there right. and she has gone on to create this, this seek safely kind of, I don't know, a policing of the, of personal growth events. Is that at all right? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, they, they are not, their goals are not adversarial um, in, in premise. Anyway, what they seek to do is they put together a what's called the seek safely promise and the seek safely promise is specifically for uh leaders in in self-help to uh, uh espouse principles like safety principles very basic safety principles such as you know if i have an event that is going to involve my interpretation of a sweat lodge i'm going to have emergency medical uh, people on staff that on staff or on scene who can you know help people you know not uh, suffer cardiac arrest or go into heat stroke. Um, it doesn't specifically say that, but that's one of the that's one of the tenets of the promise. Is that like I'm going to make sure that there are EMTs available at my events. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, try to uh, pry uh, pry money out of people just for the uh, sake of, of prying money out of people. And you know, if you go to seeksafely.org, I think is the website. Uh, there is a you can see the promise and you can see all of the things that uh, self-help leaders should uh, promote and promise. Um, and that's, that's their, that's their basic idea. And they have gotten, you know, hundreds of people to sign this promise. Um, and so it's just an awareness organization. They realized pretty early on that it was going to be very difficult to police the self-help industry as I'm, I'm sure you can understand. Um, there are not many regulations, if any, um, uh, regulating what self-help folks do. And so that's been a part of what they try to do as well. They tried to pass uh, legislation in New York um, that kind of sets some standards and uh, requirements for people who go into self-help. Um, but that's, that's the extent of what they do. They don't actually police or, uh, you know, uh, pick fights from what I've seen anyway. Cool. And, and just so, so I was involved with James by going to a couple live events in 2009 and I had friends that were at the Sedona event. And anyway, you, you ended up interviewing me for, for your podcast, Guru, in, investigating to this. And so, how, yeah, how did you find me? <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was the, you put out a tweet uh, at the event in San Diego, right? I did a blog post about it once oh, I got that's home. Right. You, did a, you did a blog post yeah. about the San Diego event. That's yeah, right. it was okay. it was James Staff member that did a tweet when. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, what's his name again? I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. Mm, I have this. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, this is. <laughs> we tried to get him. This conversation is not an investigative piece. I want to make that clear. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah. That's uh, thank you for jogging my memory. You wrote a really insightful blog post about your experience in San Diego at a James Ray event, and that James Ray event was uh, very controversial and like an important event in the timeline of of, of Guru uh, because there was a woman named Colleen Conaway who committed suicide at that event, um, and you witnessed that suicide and so that's why we wanted to speak to you and you were you know very thoughtful and, and played a, a big role in the show i'm trying to think even my own time frame yeah so that that event was in august in san diego and yeah i witnessed the suicide and anyone that knows me anyone listened to the show i've i've a background in depression i've attempted suicide multiple times so seeing that and not following that that action uh, was was a big deal. And I spoke about it to the entire group. Um, James talked to me about it. And 
you know, it uh, felt pretty cool. It was all right. It was, you know, traumatic, but beneficial. Also to that thing. Um, then by October, this, the Sedona news breaks. I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm finding my name was getting taken out and other anonymous investigator muckrakers on the internet um, were, were saying, I, w- I was reading that I was, I was part of some cover-up that I had murdered someone in San Diego. And, and I was like, what is this all about? And that's, that's how I discovered, um, I wasn't even sure that Colleen had died until then. Like I, I left San Diego seeing some woman I didn't know, seeing, you know, witnessing and being taken away by the EMTs and they were working on her. And I only learned later that, oh yeah, because EMTs aren't allowed to pr- declare anyone dead. They'll, they'll keep, you know, going through the motions, even though she, yeah. she was already dead. Um, so that's when I first learned that and learned that she was actually a participant at the event. Um, so I didn't know any of that. But again, people were, you know, just making up all these stories that I was, or combining people, some things said that I was part of the staff and that, you know, I was part of the cult that convinced people to jump to their death at events. <laughs> um, well, it was part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you is, you know, you, you were kind of perfectly placed because you mentioned questions about staff. It, it was opaque who was actually on staff with James Ray and what their role was um, and what what their role was like general like in terms of are they a 1099 employee or what um, and how do they actually participate in the events themselves and so being able to speak to somebody like you who who actually went to a few of these events and was there um, and this event was was widely discussed afterwards as you know and uh, so you were really well placed um, uh, I don't know uh, how did that make you feel afterwards being tossed around as somebody who is, uh, you know, implicitly involved. Oh, I, uh, I yeah, I, I felt horrible. I, and, and what was weird, I couldn't stop reading about it. Like, I was like, how do celebrities live? Like, I like, oh, and I would kept going and I was reading comments and, and yeah, I was like, I was in, like, I was hooked. <laughs> um, and then, I don't, I don't even want to say the name. It was like this fake, it was this fake bullshit name. The guy didn't use his real name, but he he's emailing me and, uh, First, it was very, he wanted to talk to me. I was like, no, I have no interest. And then he'd be nasty and accuse me of stuff. Um, uh, and then I ended up being on, in December of 2009, I was on Nightline and CNN. They, they both came to my house and interviewed me, and both shows aired their interview with me the same night. Wow. So it was just like, it was really bizarre. So then this guy, hey, I guess you're not a bad guy. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> do you want to talk to me now? I'm like, no, fuck you. You know, but he just wanted, you know, some interview on his blog about, and he was really someone that attacked all personal growth. All, every, everything's a scam. Everything's bullshit. That was his attitude towards everything. I think, I think it's okay to mention him. Is this salty? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is he still around? Oh yeah. He's, oh. he's very much still around. Oh yeah. No. So it took me a lot to not ever visit that site again. So I, yeah, but no, I was, uh, yeah, it was not pleasant. And, um, can we talk and, about that? Can we talk about, yeah. so there are, you, you mentioned when we were talking about seek, seek safely, you, you asked if they were policing, hmm. um, and they're not, uh, I think they try to on their Twitter feed, they try to point out, uh, people who are egregious in their activities. And James is one of those people. Hmm. Um, but there are people like, like Salty who are, his name is Salty Droid, uh, if you want to Google that. Um, but he, as you point out, is he, ha- he makes an umbrella decision that, you know, pretty much everybody in this industry is a scammer. And there are, uh, what's his name, Salermo, Steve Salermo, I think is another one who wrote a book about this called Sham. Um, and there are people who make that decision. They say, like, listen, everybody who's involved in this industry, anyone, anyone who is making money in this industry is a scam artist. Um, and how do you how do you uh, how do you think about that as somebody who, you know, is is a, is a part of the industry? Yeah, I, I mean, any single product industry movement certainly has people that are doing wrong in it and are scams. But I yeah, I've never been. I try all the different clients. Yeah, I've gotten something from everything. You know, so my not being a fan of James has nothing to do with it being a scam. It's it's that well, he he killed people and he personally lied to me and everyone. You know, and he, and he left his people. He didn't walk his talk. That's what it was for me. 
If, mm. if, he, had all, if he had continued to live his teaching, I think his, he would have been more welcomed back to society. Uh, you know, I, I sure was never going to do anything with him. And I'm shocked that anybody was willing to. That really surprised me. I thought he was going to come out, it, you know, maybe there'd be a book and be this great resurrection story. But I'm like, I didn't see that in anything he said or shared. Um, I didn't get, uh, I've discovered what I did wrong. And I didn't, I didn't see any of that growth in him. But I also wasn't looking for it. I wasn't, it was just, it would, when it popped up my feed, I wasn't, you know, he had, there was one point early, he actually reached out to me on Facebook or something. And I was oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 honestly, I honestly can't remember if I replied or not, but I was just, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all over the place because if I saw him from The Secret and I didn't like him. And, but he had the new, he had the, he was the most ready to succeed based on The Secret. I caught right. the, I read The Secret uh, this, December like 2008. We read the book. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know it was a movie. I got, my wife bought the book to bring to some Christmas party and I started reading like, this is awesome. Like, I loved it. I had never heard, like, I was diagnosed like, uh, I am bad brain chemistry. My emotions are out of control. I am defective. That's what I grew up. And I'm like, wait, my thoughts control my emotions? No one, no one ever told me this, that, this, you know? So it wasn't about, I can think about a car and make it happen. It was more, I'm in control. I can choose my thoughts and thereby my emotions and my whole life can change. That's what I got from the secret. That's what grabbed me. Hmm. Um, so I got into James's email list and I've ended up working with a bunch of people from the secret. It's funny to look back and um, uh, I got involved with center point um, notes from the universe. There's a number of people that were, and uh, Abraham Hicks who were edited out of the secret um, there's a whole, I've got the pirated version of the secret that had them in it. I, I was in it that big. I found that version of stuff. But, but uh, anyway, James always felt like a slimy salesman to me. Huh. But part of the personal growth pitch is all, you know, who, who bothers you is who you need to learn from. And who, you know, that person that triggers you is the person you can learn the most from. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll be willing to go. So yeah, he, I, I never got the warm fuzzies. I'd never say, like, I, I appreciated and got things from his teachings, but his personal style, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. It, it felt too much like a polished show to me. Yeah. But I was like, well, I mean, what, what does that say about me? Maybe let, let, let me stick with this guy. You know, so I fell in for that aspect of it. Like, you know, he's triggering me. What is that telling me about me? And that sort of stuff. But I was never part of the, you know, and the people like this, like James can do no wrong. And he is just amazing. And who really treated him like some guru. You know, I was like, this guy's a great salesman and a great trainer. And like, you know, hmm, are those things that I'd like to be? Maybe, maybe that's it. And, and it was actually going through that and realizing what I did like of a Tony Robbins, of anyone on stage. Like I wanted, I wanted his confidence. I wanted his self-assuredness. Right. You know, but, but anytime he talked about how his, uh, his mansion was higher than Deepak Chopra's. And anytime that kind of egoic stuff, I'm like, like, that doesn't seem to align with everything you're telling me here about esoteric wisdom and stuff. Like, so it was really all over the place. And he was the first person I ever met that claimed to be part of a mystery school, which years later I got involved with, with a mystery school. And I made sure I was like, did this James Arthur Ray was ever a part of this? Is this, I'm like, like, no, we don't know who that is. Like, all right, good. All right. <laughs> but I, Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to get involved and find like, that that you know because he did a lot of taking from places and distorting it and like with the uh the sweat lodge and other ceremonies and i didn't want to come across a ceremony that i knew existed from dreams i knew that would like really trigger me and i just want to like leave but sure anyway i was assured that wasn't the case but how did i what? get all there uh, yeah <laughs> hold on <laughs> what is that what is a mystery school i don't know this oh you don't know that all right um they were uh, seven ancient mystery schools. I, I grew up hearing about the mystery schools. I think I heard of it like from In Search Of and TV shows, uh -huh. um, the Egyptian mystery school, the ancient Indian mystery school. And it's just this um, esoteric wisdom and just, you know, the mm -hmm. almost pre-religion. Um, I had always heard that, you know, Jesus Christ is, he's born and then he's missing until he's like 32 years old in the Bible. 
I'd always heard from different lore and shows and, you know, wherever I got it from that he was off at mystery schools, right? Huh. Um, the Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. If you know Marvel comics or movie, he goes to Tibet and gets trained. So he is a master of the mystery school. He, you know, that's, that's where he gets trained for all of the uh, using energy and things. And, and, and you're, you're in, you are involved in, in multiple mystery schools? No, I'm involved in, in one. There's only one that's open to the public. It's called the Modern Mystery School. Um, huh. And it opened to the public in like 97. But James saw in some, before I ever saw him live, he would release like videos every week all through, you know, that time. And it was, he said he went to Egypt and was initiated into a mystery school. And I was like, wow, that's a thing? You, that's real? Like, I had no idea. And, you know, um, but there, there isn't some public mystery school that you can go to Egypt and get initiated into. So, I don't, yeah, maybe he took peyote out of pyramid. I don't know what he did. But it was the first time I'd heard of someone saying that they were somehow involved. And that was something that still existed. Well, but, one um, of the things that I found really difficult about James, I went to an event that he put on in 2015. So this is after he had been released from prison. And after I wrote an initial story for The Verge, um, I did not write the headline for the story, but the story is called uh, The Death Dealer. Um, and I had written that story and then I had moved uh, to, to work for Bloomberg News. And I, I went to a James Ray event in 2015 reporting for Bloomberg News because it was one of his first actual like public events that he did after his prison release. And uh, I had never actually sat through a seminar that he had given. Um, I had I had read Harmonic Wealth mm -hmm. and I had watched some of his videos. I had rewatched The Secret, um, but I'd never actually gone through his seminar. Um, but, you know, as a person sitting there listening to the seminar, he will, as you describe, pull information from a bunch of different sources all at the same time, which is totally cool. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of academic work is built around. Yeah. You know, I wrote a book and like, there are, you know, like 300 sources in the book. Yes. I'm pulling from a bunch of different places, but what you, what you would find, and I found myself doing this in my notes, he would talk about a certain topic and then I would uh, write it down so that I could go back and check it. Um, and often I would, I would have a lot of trouble like verifying the quotes that he was pulling and the specific things that he was saying. Um, you know, one of the examples recently is like he, he put up, I forget what he was referencing exactly, but he was saying Bloomberg says X and it was in relation to how we sell or how we live, something like that. Um, and it, when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, all right, I'm a, former employee of Bloomberg News, I'm very familiar with the kind of research that they do. And it mostly has to do with, you know, business and, uh, you know, the market and legal issues. And I have never heard of a survey that they would do that would be applicable for, you know, somebody like James Ray talking about, you know, his own work and self-help. Um, and I, you know, I, I searched for hours trying to figure out like what, and he, there was a quote that he used in the, in the Twitter post. Um, and I was just unable to verify anything. And, and it's, that was consistent with what I saw with them. And so I, I, to this day, I don't know what happens there, whether it's like explicit lies and he's making it up or whether he has changed the meaning of things that he's read uh, and, you know, applied it in whatever way it works in his brain. But it's, 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 uh, it's difficult for somebody like me who like, I need the specific source of what you're talking about to, to listen to. Uh, do you feel, feel that uh, you're the same way? Or is that kind of something that you don't really dig into? No, yeah, I'm not. I don't fact I'm, I'm like, it's like, it's you quote someone like, Oh, it's, it's a saw to make a point. I'm not like, oh, that, oh, misquote this. I can't verify this. Ah, you lie. Like, yeah, I would not go that far. I'm the, the emotional ride. Like, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm going to this. I'm, I've been depressed and miserable. I want to feel better. And he, if he you know, any guy, a good performer, any, you know, Tony Robbins, like, ah, and you're filling up with that energy. Or Brenda Bouchard is someone I've seen live. And they, they get you jazzed up and you're excited. And, yeah. But where James crossed the line and I didn't like it, even, even I'm doing it and I'm going, why am I doing this? I don't want to do that. He's like, get your wallet out now. I'm about to tell you and run to the back of the room and take out it. Give me all your money. And I'm just like, oh, I better leave. You know, like what the fuck is wrong with me? But so he was, he's the most manipulative person I've ever experienced in my life. But to your point, right? So like I, I've been in sales before, uh, you know, I, I ran a, a media company. I've run two media companies and, you know, part of that work 
is you're going out and you're selling advertising. Like it's separate from the work I would do as a journalist, but like, you know, in order to keep the lights on and pay people, like go out and sell advertising. So I'm doing like sales call. And like, that is always the most uncomfortable or you give a presentation to a group of people. And like the point of what you're doing there is to, you know, get them to fund what you're doing. You're trying to get money out of them. And you know, that, that part of the pitch has always for me been the most uncomfortable part. And you know, I'm sure you can relate to that. Like when you get to that point where it's like, you know, I'm going to make the pitch. Here's the amount of money that I need and here's what we're going to do with it. Um, it's, it's always been difficult for me. And so to watch James Arthur Ray, like just seamlessly move into that part of the presentation and just say, listen, here's what it costs. And you're going to, it's going to be great for you. And here are the reasons why he is masterful in that. And I can see how you would go to one of his presentations and think like, Oh my God, this guy really has selling down. He does not give a fuck. I'm sorry. Can I, I'm sorry. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, encouraged. He does not care. Uh, whether or not you say yes or no and like that is he obviously does like he wants to make money but it does not he does not betray his emotion if he is bothered by that pitch and he is just like i said he's masterful at that sales part and so i can see wanting to follow him for that reason yeah. and that's that's his background right like his background is in sales and he was you know worked for at&t doing these kinds of presentations so he knows it and i wonder to this day i've i've tried to get a substantive interview with him and I want to know, like, why he didn't just pursue that? Like, why didn't he become, like, a serious corporate salesperson who made a ton of money teaching people how to sell? Because that's obviously what he's good at. So, again, seeing him back in 09, might have been late 08 for the first time, he, he came to Boston, just it was the evening, and like, oh, it's the guy from The Secret. And it was a free ticket. You went to see him, and it was maybe 90 minutes um, and he said, you know, he was a high level AT&T trainer. He was, he could have done that, but you know, there was more, there was the personal growth. I wasn't, I wasn't just money. It wasn't just selling telecom. I, I knew there was more, I, you know, he was a seeker and he would tell the personal stories and, oh, it was the big motorcycle accident that, that made him face his own death and knew that there was more to life. And, you know, and I'm you know, just, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. He gets it, you know? And, you know, so run to the back of the room and sign it from my programs. <laughs> and, you know, that's how it was. And you, you got you jazzed. But, but he would talk about NLP, mm-hmm. um, neurolinguistic neuro programming. So anytime someone else ever says that to me, I think scam. Like you're, you're, it's trickery. It's, you know, you're using psychological tricks to get us hooked. I've always heard also that at, at his events, there was a certain scent released that made you more susceptible. So I don't know if that was ever bullshit or true. If you ever came across that story in your investigation. Uh, I know the, uh, I mean, he would, he would set the room temperature low and that's, that's pretty typical for, yeah. for uh, large group awareness uh, trainings. Um, but never a cent. No, yeah. that's and something I want to, I'm going off. I can't remember where I heard this, um, but something like uh, orange peels mixed with something was a scent <laughs> that made you more ready to, to, to buy things. I don't know, but that was something I'd heard attributed to him. And, um, and so, you know, after that all went bad, um, but I did get, get like I did harmonic wealth. I thought was like everything he taught like worked and felt true. And I got gains from, but, um, you know, when I first met um, his staff was telling me and I tell them, you know, my background in depression and suicide attempts. And they were all like, oh, you know, um, warrior that you need warrior in Sedona. That's the event for you. You need that. So I was getting pitched that from the from the get go. Hmm. And it was my plan to do it the following year. I was going to do that in 2010. Um, but everything you know, he has this whole progression of events. So I was all, I was doing all, I was, I didn't care about this thing at San Diego. I still don't know what, I still don't know what it was supposed to get me. <laughs> it was creating absolute wealth, that event. It was all based on the, 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 the book, Think and Grow Rich. I'm like, well, I could just read this on my own. Like why, what, what I still I have no idea what the San Diego event was supposed to do, but it was part of a package I had to get that would get me to Sedona eventually. <laughs> um, that's how everything built on it. And the next event we're supposed to go to was Quantum Leap, which I don't know what that was. You know, everything just had its mysterious esoteric name and wasn't described very well at all. And each one, you know, cost more money. 
and it was investing in yourself. You're proving, you know, that's kind of stuff they would tell me and it's definitely like it's proving you want to live and you're claiming life and, you know, investing in yourself is the best thing you can do, which again, all that's true. But if what you give me is a crock of shit, then that's where it falls apart. And if you're selling me one thing, but you're living something else that like he had been on Oprah a few times by now, the secret, you know, he was, there was a, there was, it's, it's, I'm going to say there, there definitely was a cult of James, but it wasn't that everyone that went there was part of the cult of James. Like you, you could, he had this playboy attitude by San Diego. Um, he had, you know, the women, he was single, he was ready to mingle. And, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty bizarre to see um, just in the brief time that I was seeing him, like the guy I saw like in an evening in Boston and to the person I saw like six months later was just so more egotist- egotistical and uh, buying new mansions and moving to Beverly Hills. And it was just way more bragging about stuff than, um, anything in harmonic wealth or anything that he did online. So he was starting to like lose me there, but. It's interesting to, to hear you talk about him. You know, I've heard this from all, from a lot of people, like in general terms, that what was actually emerging from his mouth, the things that he was saying in general were good. Like you said that you, you were able to improve yourself and come to realizations uh, based on what he was telling you, but really, it was it was his actions that threw you off, yeah. um, and really that's what defines you. Like, how do you actually act in a circumstance? And you know, I, I heard this from uh, many of the people who who were in Sedona, is that his response afterwards was just completely unacceptable, yeah. and it showed that he was not the leader that he said he was yeah. and what he was telling people to do. And so that's, that's really important. And what I think is super interesting about that is that I don't know that there are many people in the industry that I'm aware of anyway, um, who get the opportunity to prove themselves in that way, to get the opportunity to show themselves as, as being a leader. And he completely, he completely fell on his face when he was given that opportunity. But I, you know, I wonder if a, if a Tony Robbins, if put in a, cir- a similar circumstance or a Grant Cardone, if put into a similar circumstance would react um, the same way that James did or whether they would be able to, you know, make something out of it and yeah. do as you described earlier, uh, you know, you write a book about it and really take meaning from it and apologize in all of the right ways. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's what makes his case most interesting to me is that he had that opportunity. It was sitting there right in front of him. Well, the, like he, he blew the that. real opportunity. Yeah. When, when, he, so Sedona, things go bad, accidents happen. You're like, I get that. But when he left, like uh, that's, Oh, you're like, you're dead to me forever now. Like that's just, that's way too far. Like you, it was, just, we're family. I lo- like, uh, I can I can remember him looking in my eyes and telling me how much he loved me in San Diego when I talked about uh, seeing the death and 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 in retrospect learning that that conversation happened after he knew that nope she was one of his family too and they decided to try to cover that up but yeah when he uh you know people are dying people have died in, in San Diego or I'm sorry in Sedona and he leaves that's that's when it was all over for me. Well, and so one of the other things that attracted you to him was this self-confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And his, his uh, way that he presented himself as a leader, somebody who could take charge in that exact circumstance. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like you could picture a great leader, somebody who was truly self-confident, who truly felt that, you know, they could make decisions that would better people. He could have shown that yeah. in that circumstance. And he just, yeah. And, and just, I mean, it's in your podcast and I f- forgot how much I hated it, but, uh, you know, play full on. And how many times I heard that in, in, in guru. And it was like, it was triggering again to hear it. Um, but even beyond that, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And that was another common thing. And, and we did all sorts of little games in San Diego. And each time we'd announce them, we're like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh crap. I could do this. And like, Oh man. Is it? So I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do anything. Like, Oh, so I was, I was getting lessons, but then again, he failed his ultimate lesson. He was, you know, he gave into fear. Like that was a scary thing. And he, he bolted and he's telling us all he's making his millions. He's making his following based on 
do what you're afraid of. Like face your fears. It's be of service. Like you feel better when you help other human beings. Like all these things that that I I I, I live and like like wow that that first came to my ears from James. Hmm. Um, and it was really a trip to to listen to the show and like I was because you know, I, you know, I I was part of a civil. I was on you know two news shows about it. I was part of Colleen. Conway's family um, sued James for, for wrongful death over her suicide. So I was deposed. And uh, this is like a story that just felt like it was never going to end. Um, <laughs> but I don't still. Know. <laughs> yeah, right. We are still talking about it. <laughs> you know, we're like thinking it's done. But again, there is so much to unpack. It's freaking, it's just so bizarre. But the podcast landed July 1st. Uh, July 1st is my birthday. And I'm like, oh, well, this is interesting. Well, I'll listen. And the, the first episode opens at an event that, that me and my wife, Lori, are at. And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared to be so immersed. And you know, my podcast is people talking to each other. I, I really realized I have not, I don't listen to true crime stuff. I don't listen to the react, reenacted, like really produced stuff. So I was really taken aback. And then James spoke and it fucked me up. And I was like, 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, I can't do this. This is just too freaking off-putting. Yeah, it really bothered me um, because I, you know, there's a period, there's at least a year, maybe a year and a half that I would listen to James. Um, I, I had, I had bought um, these audio meditations of his voice, you know, you're supposed to do it every day for an hour. And, you know, and even that wigged me out because I didn't like his voice. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta, you know, the resistance I'm feeling, I must push through this. And, but I just never liked it. Um, but so then the end of the day, and I'm telling my wife, like, Oh, I tried to listen to that podcast. I just couldn't. And then I look at Facebook and there are five people saying happy birthday that I all met from James events. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, wow. Like how, huh? Like they're re- this still impacted my life in so many ways and still yeah. there. Um, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in touch with at least three people that s- survived the Sedona event. Um, I think like uh, I, I've met a ton of people who participated in, in James Ray's events and, and what's, uh, you know, another you know paradox here is that like all of them seem to be very interesting, uh, well learned, like people who uh, try to learn about themselves. I mean, these are great people who are involved, and so you know he he attracted some really interesting people into his life and to go into his seminars, and uh, so that's that's a positive thing that came out of it. Yeah, I mean, one thing I did always believe from him, and still, and uh, it, that he wanted to better himself. And he wanted to help other people better themselves. And thereby, you know, everybody bettering themselves betters the world. Like, great, I can buy that. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but then when you you turn your back, when you tell people that your family and you leave them, you abandon them, um, when you lie to them, that's like, I, and I, it took me a while, like, I I finally realized, and I can, I, I believe I can say this honestly, like, I don't wish ill will to him. I have nothing again, like, yeah, if you people want to follow you, if you sell some books, like whatever, but I have no interest in it at all. Um, and I remember when, when you first reached out, one of my concerns was that this was a yay, James is back show. Or like, was that the kind of the agenda was to like, make sure he gets off and let's fill some, you know, fill some seats for James Arthur Ray and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be part of some rah-rah attempt. Um, but yeah, you, you made it clear that that was not the case. And, and, and so thank you. No, I, I just, I think that there's so much to be learned uh, from that situation and from his response to it to this day. Like, you know, the podcast is eight episodes in total. It's six produced episodes and then two interviewed episodes that like uh, are, are a part of the, the stream or whatever. Um, and I think we only touched on a little bit uh, about what can actually be learned and how people can, can really learn more about themselves and what leadership looks like, um, and how to question people who claim to have all of the answers. Um, and I think a lot of that work is going to be done by people such as yourself who are, who are enmeshed in this, uh, is it an industry? Is it really, do you consider it to be an industry? I mean, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, the first, the personal growth industry. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, sure. But I mean, every it's individual for every single person. Yeah. And so, being able to look at this event, it's just another, it's another point in the timeline where you can figure out how to how to personally grow. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to take away from it. Yeah. And it took it. I 
I probably went again, James was the first events I had, I had gone to like this at all. And it took me like two years to trust anyone and ever do anything like that. But I ended up doing some peak potentials events with T Harv Ecker. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I was like, Oh my God. Like, all right, James must've worked for this company. Cause this is the same freaking format. Exactly. And wow. just a few verbiage was a little different and they now had, and that's what we did. Um, you know, I, I broke the arrow against my, my throat at one of their events and they had waivers and to sign everything. And they had EMTs there. Like well, things are different now because of recent changes in industry. Um, it's like, Oh, okay. And yeah, it was very talked open. And I asked that staff, I'm like, uh, did James Arthur Ray work for you ever? Like, no, I know, but they, you know, he's gone to events. They, people learn and trade experiences, but the exact same setup, uh, just the same long days. I've, I've never been to an Anthony Robbins event, so I don't know if they're all just, well, I don't know who did it first, who's modeling who, but <laughs> just the, the long days, the cranking music, the, the same verbiage, um, quantum leaps and, and metaphysical stuff sprinkled in with just, you know, uh, pr- perhaps misquoting people, you know, but it was just the same thing. Um, they did acknowledge that they were, we're doing things safer now because of past events. And I felt, I actually in 2010, no, 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 where is it? Four years ago. <laughs> so just four years ago, I, I did a, I did a sweat lodge and it's with the mankind project. So it was this okay. men's initiation and, and men's work. And, and I went to that kind of cocky and cause it was simple. It's a personal growth event, but it's just, it's just men. And that made it different. It was like really surprisingly powerful. Um, but we're about to do a sweat lodge and it's the first time I've ever, I've never done one. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it and I'm looking for what, what I think went wrong and I'm looking, making sure it's not plastic. And it was, it was really all animal hides. It was really Dakota native American tradition. I'm told I'm like, all right. And I'm like, and I was like, I didn't want to scare other people that didn't know anything, but so I got to the guy in charge and just kind of mumbling to him like, look, I, I know people have not made it through these and you know, they go bad and like, can you assure me that we're cool here? And he's like, I know what the event you're talking about. I know what they did wrong. And he was pointing to me with this. There's nothing to be toxic. There's nothing fumes. There's no plastics here. This, you know, we're just going by the ancient ways, and I've been trained by the Dakota. Like, I'm like, all right, all right. And I'm like, mm. but then people overheard, and like, people could die. What, what? And started like, no, that's not what I wanted. No, they're like, Ur. and so we had to make more of a, a talk to everybody. But it was a fantastic experience. Um, and it well, was talk really- to me about it. So, how many, how many people were in the the sweat lodge itself? How long did it last? So it it was rounds. It might have been like. 45 minutes all together um people could leave at any time and and some did um yeah short periods but yeah call them the grandfathers which i you know i'd heard from terms from that did um, it feel like an endurance uh, thing like no you know, is anybody saying like you know you need to play full on and no no one did because i that's already in my head and i'm because because and that's why i know like i if if, if i had been in sedona i would have stayed there till i was injured because I did want it and I, oh, I'm not, you know, I would do that. And Jay, you know, I'm sure it's part of the legal defense and like, he didn't tell anyone, but like, there's a look, you, you want the approval of your teacher, no matter what that level is. So, so, but that was there, but there was no one like that. Um, anyone could tap out, leave whenever they wanted. Um, you just sit man out and people moved and, and, mm. and let people go. There was no, no shaming. There was nothing like that. You were just, you're in full control. Um, I wanted to stay to the end because sure. I want to stay to the end of anything I do. Um, but yeah, it wasn't so I'm like, I'm like, and then like, all right, last round, I'm like, Oh good. You know, good. <laughs> we can leave. So I, you know, I could be exaggerating the 45 minutes. I, I really don't know, but it was not some all day, which is kind of what I feared. Like, Oh, it was like, how many hours are we in this thing for? But that, yeah. that's really not the case. It's more like, you know, 10 to 20 minute rounds of bringing new rocks and adding some steam and just take it in. Um, but even, you know, some of the things I've heard in the podcast and experienced there, like, all right, I can, I can hug the earth. I can get lower and all of that. And just feeling the temperature change just in, you know, inches of, of moving yourself. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so I've since, I've, I've done it three times now. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, and, with, and that, with that same group or with, yep, different with group? the group and the second time it was the same guy leading it. He's like, Hey, I'm like, he's like, 
I, I remember you asking your question. So I'm really honored that you're back and you, you felt it was that good and you feel that safe. I'm like, yeah, thanks. So you, I mean, you, you made me feel safe. So I, I appreciate that too. So, yeah. Um, so that was really neat. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, I, I, have met people that call themselves shamans and, uh, you know, and, um, I've done like holotropic breath work. I've done ayahuasca once and I'm always, I always look out for someone that claims like, you know, I'm a white guy from New York city and I'm a shaman. Cause I took a class and like, you know, you, you know, the, the appropriating someone's lineage and ancestry and ancient things. And that's how the sweat lodge made out of plastic sheet and happening all the time. You know, that's, and let's fit as many people as we can. And I think, I don't know. It might've been 24 people in the one I was in and we're all shoulder to shoulder. You weren't, you weren't cramming more than that, but it was, you know, it seemed reasonable <laughs> and, and it's always been that size. So, but yeah. Um, where, where is it? So I did it in Massachusetts, um, but mankind uh, project initiations and events often have them and they have, they have a whole group of people that train and, um, mm-hmm. That's their job all weekend is to maintain the fire and, and build the lodge. And, and, uh, and one year I staffed and I got to take it all down and just, yeah. So it goes together and they keep the same, the, the proper pieces of wood. And it's, it's, it's making a tent from scratch and, and, uh, but yeah, not using modern things and not using things that like heat and can produce chemicals and reactions. It's just, you know, it's actual pieces of, of hide and animal skin and, yeah, did, did, you, did you do the uh, ayahuasca as a part of mankind as well? No, no nothing. To, no, that was not affiliated with with anybody. Except oh, that was, the, that was your own. Oh, yeah, you did that on your on your own. No, no, I mean someone I knew. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like mix it up. But no, I found I I I met someone that that did that, um, and I did it once. And here in the, in the u.s or did yeah. you go to peru no. or something okay. no we we actually uh me and my wife took a vacation to peru and had never heard of ayahuasca we did a, a week on the amazon and some guy at the airport in peru goes, oh you go to the jungle oh you gotta have ayahuasca we're like what's that he's like oh it's great to, they're like have you done it oh no i would never do it i'm like what so we did meet a shaman in the woods and i said what about ayahuasca he's like oh this is ayahuasca i'm like can i try it he's like oh no i wouldn't know and my guy's like no and like no tourists cannot do this no 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 and and uh and my, my guy was talking about how like oh i had to do this when i was 13 and oh it's such uh, it's gross and blah. so like all the people that like well no i shouldn't say all people that grew up with it as a rite of passage they're like oh i gotta do that i mean well americans are like here's thousands of dollars give me some and you know because <laughs> then i didn't since then this was Wait, you, i mean hold up so when you went through this did it you know, it lasted, you know, multiple days and like... No, 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 it was multiple. It, it was it was just a one-night thing. Uh-huh. And for most people, it was like a, you know, a couple hours. Um, during... So what we all... Did you growing up and everything? No, I didn't. And so, because there, there was a special diet leading up to it, and it was really just being totally bland. You couldn't even have salt or pepper. And I was nervous. Like, I was nervous about this thing. So I followed the diet, very strict, so I wouldn't really clean. Everyone else threw up. They might have six of us maybe everyone else threw up i didn't and there was a point where you know i'm just seeing like shadows is this it is this you know is this all this is like what's going on and so like, if you feel you want another dose you can i'm like i'm gonna get another dose <laughs> and so i was told the next day that they gave me a like not just they gave me a no i was received a whole second full dose uh-huh. and i'm gone now i am I'm tripping all night. Everyone else is done. I hear them chat and I'm just like, I'm in the multiverse, you know? Um, <laughs> and that's what it was like. It was, you know, people talk about, you know, we're operating on multiple dimensions and, you know, you're spiritual, you're physical, you're emotional. Um, there's all these different planes of reality. And my ayahuasca experience was, I'm, wow, I'm conscious of being in at least a, do- a dozen different places right now. Hmm. and it was so it was amazing i uh later i was told that i had the best first experience that this person doing it for 14 years ever come across i was like great don't don't need to do that again then i've had my peak ayahuasca and i don't need to try to chase it or repeat it but yeah it was it, it was phenomenal um it was like i was in avatar uh i was in an avatar universe then the 3d universe and then i'm also just laying on this floor every animal there were dogs and cats in this house and they'd walk and i'd 
I, I would, they would come by me and I'm like, oh, I just had the whole experience of the history of all pets. Oh, and it was like that. Anything wow. coming into my environment triggered this whole other world. So um, it was like it was like a conscious dream state. You were actually yeah. hallucinating like uh, uh, environments that were that you yeah. would experience. Yeah, fully awake, conscious, and again, out, and and like being aware of having ten different dreams at the same time, and wow. choosing which one to focus the most on. Because as other people around me were done, I mean, people were singing and doing stuff, and I thought there's a freaking giant circus calliope next to my head. And then later it was a banjo. I'm like, that's what was making the noise. I'm like, wow. you know. <laughs> and people were singing songs and they were like, oh, Andy, dear Andy. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, there's a choir of angels. And it was just, you know, ladies singing Andy, dear Andy into my ear. But it was just, yeah, it was the, it was very, very cool. That along with the ayahuasca experience, like it seems like you take you take away a lot from these. What did you take away from both that and the the sweat lodge experience? Hmm. Yeah. Just 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 that there's there's more. Like the sweat lodge, it was again part of the experience. They were, were chanting and, and and sweat lodge is is release, and you go in there with the intention of what you're ready to let go. And, you know, whatever's holding back. And I'm always just willing to let go of whatever I've outgrown. Whatever, what, um, what fear am I still carrying? What, what, what attachment to James Ray am I carrying around that isn't serving me? Like any, any sort of thing like that that comes across. Ayahuasca was much more just, I had heard of it. Finally met someone that, that, that offered it. Um, and I just, it, it, it's weird. For, for, for someone that tried to die multiple times, um, once it decided, I, I guess I'll live. I want to have as many experiences that, that I can. Yeah. So that's really what it's about for me. Oh, like, oh, you have a new experience? Oh, I've read it. Oh, can I do that right. with you? Like, that, that's, that's what drives it. it. It's not. And that's what, you know, and, and James and his staff would try to sell it. Here's everything that's wrong with you, Andy. Mm. And this is the one thing that will fix it. And it, it, it hooked me and it also upset me. And maybe that was part of what, you know, why they wanted to do that. Like keep, you know, remind you of what's wrong, but also keep you coming back for more. Um, whereas other people and things that I've just successfully done and enjoyed just haven't had that, that haven't had that judgment aspect to it. Well, so uh, I, I wonder if that just comes from his, his background in, uh, you know, his father was a preacher yeah. he spent yeah. a lot of time in church when he was, when he was younger. Yeah, his parent, his parents were at the San Diego event. Were they? Yeah, they're part. Yeah, um, it was it was very bizarre. <laughs> I, I think it would be worthwhile for me, um, and for your listeners, I imagine. You know, I, I don't want to be completely negative on this on the industry as, uh, as a whole. And you've mentioned on a couple of occasions that there are people who you've you've uh, gone to their uh, their classes and seminars and have actually taken away good things from it. Mm -hmm. Who who do you think is kind of like? actual top of the industry right now who who makes a lot of sense and uh, practices what they preach uh brenda bouchard mm. you do, have you heard of him yet mm -mm. no oh big week-long events uh very much um the 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 tony robbins lineage of of bigger and bigger um i've done his high performance academy his experts academy both week-long um but he has a series of different things and uh lots of videos multiple books out um yeah um he's probably the, the you know he's been called the next anthony robbins for like years and years and when, when i first met him i'd never heard of him and i'm just talking to him and then i go to an event and he's on stage and twenty thousand people are going nuts i'm like oh i'm glad i met him when i didn't know who he was because he was just a cool guy to talk to so it's you know and, it, and since you're not knowing too it's really interesting you know I think I saw Wayne Dyer said this, like, no matter how big you are, there's still plenty of world that has no idea who you are. So, sure. um, so yeah. So, so what, is, what is it about him? Uh, what gives you the uh, impression that he practices what he preaches and that he's, he's genuine, that he doesn't talk about, you know, Hollywood Hills mansions and stuff. Yeah, he doesn't. He like, boy, how can I prove someone's genuineness? That, that's tough. <laughs> uh, you know, cause so I was in, I think it was like 2012, 2011 or 2012 when I first met him, did, did some online events. I've been to two live week long, different events. And it just, yeah, it just, he feels real. Um, 
he does much more videos and, you know, and here's my girlfriend, now his wife. And, and he had a personal story of, of, of facing death and being challenged. And, it, and just, it really connected um, with me and just realizing, you know, we get, we got one chance and he had a second chance and it's important what you do and how you live and the choices you make. Um, so it all resonated and it's, yeah. Uh, he, he's this, he seems like this squeaky clean Midwestern kid and, you know, he's, he's living his teachings and he's out there still learning new things and takes from psychology and, and metaphysical and brings it all together. So again, similar to the James, but I think that's similar. I think that's how Wayne Dyer, I think that's Louise Hay. They all people that go out, have experiences, learn things, bring them back and teach them to their people. Yeah. You know, no, nothing's brand new. Nothing's invented by him. It's just being brought together and taught in in a relatable, understandable way. I'll check him out. Yeah, please do. And uh, we've been going for a while, and I've I ended up talking way more than I expected. <laughs> so thanks for twisting the turn on the table here on me. Um, but wh- where can people f- listen to Guru, the the dark side of enlightenment? Uh, any podcast app, if you search for Guru, uh, it should be one of the first things that comes up. Um, you can also go to wondery.com slash guru. Let me make sure that that is right. Um, yeah. We'll have uh, at visit realmanfield.org in the show notes for this episode. We'll have links to everything that was discussed, um, unless it was things that were discussed that I think are horrible, <laughs> but certainly for the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll get Brendan and, and uh, seek safely if you want to find any of those things there. And uh, Matt, what's next on tap for you? You got anything you're working on or hope to work on that you're excited about? Uh, I have some interesting projects coming up. Um, most of my work up until now has been uh, just in print. So me writing things down that are normally like pretty long um, on the internet and in books. Uh, doing this podcast has been great. Uh, it's It's my first kind of real foray into multimedia oh. and so the projects that i'm looking at uh, going forward are more in line with that um it's an excellent time to make a transition from you know print journalism into television and, and podcasting because everyone's you know listening to lots of podcasts and watching lots of netflix and so yeah. like that's that's uh, that appears to be where where things are going for me i'm excited about that um but you know uh Hopefully some of those projects will, your, your readers or your uh, listeners will have a chance to see them in the future. And, uh, you know, I uh, am thankful for any listener or reader that I can, I can find. Cool. Yeah, I'm surprised that was your first podcast because you, you have good podcast voice. Thanks for saying so. Yeah. No, I, I, I ran a, uh, I, I mentioned a media company that I ran. It's out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They're still around. It's called postindustrial.com. Um, but we, we set up a podcast network that was, specifically built around Pittsburgh and like local podcasting there. Um, but most of those podcasts are just conversational. They're like this, there's two people talking about something interesting. Um, and so this was really my first experience working with a production company that actually creates a podcast that sounds nice and that has a story arc. And so that was, it's uh, it's new for me too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause you actually, for, for my interview for that, someone came here. And like, I was talking to you on the phone and someone was here recording me and I'm like, have I been doing this wrong all along? I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's very, again, very well done. If you, if you're interested in personal growth, you're just in the true crime genres. If, if anything that, that I've shared about my experiences here, it makes you want to learn more. Um, Cause um, again, you mentioned it was like six, six episodes and then two bonuses is the whole mm-hmm. series. Yeah. So you interview with lots of different people. Um, you will hear lots of, of, of James's teachings and um, hear people that had good experiences, bad experiences. And, and I, by, by the, when all said and done, I was impressed that it was well-rounded. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just the fluff piece that you might've thought it was going to be when you first started. And it wasn't just a, um, it wasn't just a hatchet job either. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to take in, a lot to learn. Uh, let me, let me add one more thing. So if, uh, if you are a listener to Andy's show and you have tips for uh, people who I should be looking into or, uh, you know, self-help leaders that, that are interesting to you that you think I might be interested in, uh, my, uh, just email me, stroudjournalism at gmail.com. That's, that's me. And I'm on Twitter, just Matt Stroud, M-A-T-T-S-T-R-O-U-D on Twitter. Awesome. 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 Cool. So we can, uh, 
And I'm not sure it turned you on to something good. It turned you on to the next horrible story. I don't know. I don't know what, I, what, what sort of response I want you to get. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for your time, Matt. This is, uh, again, this is much like being on Guru. Um, this has been more enjoyable and beneficial than I thought. It was not just, you know, traversing uh, past traumas or something like that. But uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for everyone listening. And yeah, if you've uh, got some stories you want to share, get in touch with Matt. If you've got something you want to share about your own experience with James, Arthur Ray, or anyone else, like let us know. You want to be a guest, shout out. That's how it works. But uh, thanks very much, Andy. Yeah. Until then, uh, give us a share, a, a review, post, visit realmanfield.org. Um, if you'd like a one-on-one conversation with me anytime, visit theandygrant.com slash talk. And thanks for your time. Thanks for your attention. I'm glad you're alive and you're still here. And uh, be good to yourself. Bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Join the private Real Men Feel Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash realmenfeel. Learn more about author, coach, and healer Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would help us greatly if you gave a review wherever you are listening right now. It takes less than a minute and helps other people discover real men feel.